This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today's guest on Valley Views is Annie Dowd, a local author. She is also a professor of creative writing in the master's program at University College at DU. Annie, welcome back to the program. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. Now, it's been a couple of years since you've been here. Yes. And you've got an exciting new book, and that's why we're here today. Now, you've been a writer and you've taught writing. What are the seminal books and authors for you personally? Things that really made a difference over the years. Oh, that's a great question. And I think I will give a short answer of the three at the time living fiction writers who have so influenced me where I taught contemporary fiction course. And that was, these were American writers. Russell Banks, who has sadly just died. Mm -hmm. Cynthia Ozick who is still kicking in her 90s, and Edwige Dantica, the Haitian-American writer who is, who is kind of at the prime of her writing life right now. Great. That's very specific. Thanks. So, Annie, your new book is Paradise Undone, a novel of Jonestown. How did that come about? I know Jonestown has been in your psyche for a long time. You've written half a dozen articles over the years, uh, maybe in preparation for this book. Yes, I've been working on this story since 2004. And in all of my research, I found that the center of attraction was always Jim Jones. And that really bothered me because he was only one man who died on that day where 918 people died. And so I've been trying these last two decades to bring some light onto some of the other human beings who were part of Jonestown. The Jonestown Massacre was in November of 78. That's about 45 years ago. Yes. Give us the 90-second version of that for those to whom it's sort of fuzzy. Yeah. So the People's Temple was a church which started in Indianapolis in the 50s, moved to Northern California in the 60s, and in the 70s was primarily in San Francisco and Los Angeles. They had two big temples. And it was pretty much a social justice movement concerned with integration and equality. Jim Jones called himself a socialist. And then when the media started to do investigation, he said, we got to get out of here. And they moved to the jungles in Guyana, where they had purchased property and started building what was to be a kind of utopian agricultural project. So what's your personal take on Jim Jones? How did he get from a Pentecostal minister in Indianapolis, and then to San Francisco, and then to the tragedy that unfolded in South America. What was that path? The path is the charismatic leader who eventually becomes someone who everyone says yes to, and no one will question him. And so it's a very common story of cult leaders. He wasn't, he didn't start out as a cult leader, but 
by the end, he was the quintessential cult leader who no one would say no to, whose word was followed by all of the administrators, and then the people in the bottom were kind of bound to it there because they could not escape. So that's how the horrors of November 18th came to be. November 18th, 1978. Suicide or murder? Or both? Yes, it was both. And the media portrayed it as a mass suicide by a bunch of zombies. And that was not what happened. There were some people who chose to drink the poison, which was in a flavored drink that was actually called Flavor Aid, but has entered our vocabulary as drinking the Kool-Aid, meaning following the party line. And what people don't know and didn't know that when the media was putting it all over the airwaves back then was that people were forced at gunpoint to drink it, they were injected with it, and there were syringes of tiny doses for the infants and children. I remember back in the university in the early 70s doing research, interlibrary loan. It was very tedious. This day and age, there's more online. Where did most of your information come from? I know that a lot of the material ended up uh, with Dr. Rebecca Moore at San Diego State. Was that a big thing for you? Yes, and Dr. Rebecca Moore in part, is how I ended up doing this work. She was a friend of Jim McKenzie at the University of North Dakota, and he told me about her. She lost two sisters and a nephew at Jonestown, and then she spent the rest of her life studying Jonestown, writing Jonestown, writing about Jonestown, and she and her husband, Mac McGee, made these archives at San Diego State University, and they, they've been the main source of my research, and they are the main source of research for everyone who writes or makes art about Jonestown. Okay. I'm curious about the structure of your book. The first chapter starts off 30 years beyond the massacre, yes. and then it's next chapter sort of flash back and it moves yes. in that direction. What were the advantages for you of taking that tact? I felt that structurally the book needed to have the ability to showcase different voices. And I mean that very literally. It starts with a radio interview. Mm-hmm. And the media has always been a part of the Jonestown story. So I started it on the 30-year anniversary because every big anniversary, there's a media renaissance. So I wrote it for the 30-year anniversary. It was supposed to be published in 2008. And I wanted media voices, and then I have a document where the Guyanese ambassador to the United States is writing this document to whoever's going to find it. And he writes on the third anniversary of the massacre. And this is another true story, is that he ends up killing his wife and child. His wife was a Jones follower, and then himself. 
And then I have a kind of regular narrative for the character named Truth, where we watch her through time. She's one of the survivors, but she didn't actually go to Jonestown. She was one of the People's Temple members who was working in San Francisco. And then the fourth character is Watts, the one who's being interviewed. And we just move through the interview that he does on that 30th anniversary during the course of the whole book. Mm -hmm. I just finished a book by Isabel Allende. Mm -hmm. And starting off each chapter were some quotes and some poetry from Pablo Neruda, Mm -hmm. uh, the Chilean poet, who's actually part of that story. You start off each chapter with a quote from Jim Jones, and they are eye-opening in their uh, audacity and uh, breath, I thought. Yes. Why that tact? It was because he was a major influence, so you have to hear his voice, but I expressly did not want to write about Jim Jones, even though he, he shows up in the book. But this is not a book about Jim Jones. And Jim Jones has had so many books written about him and movies, etc. So I wanted readers to hear his voice as all those characters heard his voice in real life. I've always been fascinated with cults. Just the wherefore and the why, how they work. Yes. There are many examples. And some where there were deaths at the end. Yes. Uh, David Koresh, Waco, yes. uh, Heaven's Gate. Yes. But they pale in comparison to Jonestown just in terms of numbers. Yes. Just this year, there was a cult in West Africa where the leader urged his followers to fast to death so that they could meet Jesus. And they have found hundreds of bodies. This was, they call it the Malindi cult because Malindi was the region where they were. And they have found 600 bodies. And the minister, guess what, did not starve himself to death. He's in jail and there may be more bodies. So that's like almost equivalent. Interesting. Unfortunately, there's a lot of examples like that over the years. Yes. Uh, Let me mention another literary piece to your book. You reference several well-known authors, George Orwell, 1984, Animal Farm. Camus comes up several times. And then Kurtz from Joseph Conrad's The Heart of Darkness, who was kind of a Jim Jones character. How did you choose those uh, references? Well, Kurtz is just kind of in the ether, and you know I'm an English professor, so I I couldn't have missed him. Camus is a personal favorite of mine. I speak French, and I was listening... During my time of writing this book, I was hiking the hills in Centennial Ranch, listening to tapes on my Walkman, and I had the tapes from the Jonestown Institute of various Jim Jones and other people from the People's Temple talking, because I wanted to hear their voices, And then I also had an audio version of the myth of Sisyphus Mm -hmm. in French, and I listened to it so many times, and I felt that there was an inherent message in the myth of Sisyphus. 
about suicide that I was trying to understand. Okay, that's good. You've been on a bit of a book tour, if you will. You've been interviewed a few times and over in London. Yes. So my book, after 16 years of trying to get it published, hundreds and hundreds of rejections and being a finalist 17 times but never picked, (laughs) was selected by a British publisher. So I went to London for the book launch and... I've done a few European interviews, Talk Radio Europe, and another podcast from Europe, and then I've done a few here. So I'm trying to bring it out to readers everywhere because it's really an international story. And as we air this, you are going to be at the Custer County Library's Community Room this Friday, February 9th at 230 for a presentation. What, yeah. What form will that take? Yeah, I mean, I'm calling it my American book launch because it's my official first time on the stage in the United States with the book. And I'll be doing a little bit of history for those who don't remember or weren't alive and reading from the four different voices. And then there'll be a long Q&A because that's always the really interesting part. Good. And again, that's February 9th, this Friday, 2.30 at Custer County Library. Also, you've got a library date in May, uh, May 8th, which is a Wednesday, 5.30 at the Salida Library. Right. If you can't make Westcliff, see if you can come to Salida. As you've been interviewed half a dozen times or so, what are a question or two that have not been asked of you that perhaps should have been? Well... Not everyone knows about the racial component of People's Temple, which was that 80% of those who died were African-American. However, the inner circle, which was mostly white women who ran everything, right? Jim Jones didn't run everything, especially after he was addled by drugs. His organization was white. Okay, good. Annie, I appreciate you coming in and sharing your story. What have we missed? Any final thoughts? Any final comments? I'm hoping that by the time the 50-year anniversary rolls around, which will be (laughs) soon, that people will talk about Jonestown in terms that are not only about the one man who gave his name to that community. Annie, thanks for stepping by. Thank you for having me. We've been visiting with Annie Dowd, local author, whose new book is Paradise Undone, a novel of Jonestown, published November 18th, 2023 in the UK, the 45th anniversary of the massacre. Very interesting, very interesting. Remember that Annie will be at the Library Community Room in the Custer County Library February 9th, this Friday at 2.30, if you want to hear more details. My name's Gary. And we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. and again on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 
walking on a rain. 